Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today it's just us. Yeah. It's very casual over here. Grace is wearing a robe. Yeah. It's a cute robe. It's a cute robe. It has palm leaves on it. We're very cash. Yeah. So today we want to talk about the differences in being in your 20s and being in your 30s. Yes. A little self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to that, Grace, I want to do highs and lows. Yes. Becca, What is, I feel like we have very similar highs and lows. What's your high this week? So my high is that our friend Jackie was visiting up until yesterday. And she is one of our very best friends who worked with us at Bobble Bar. And now she lives in San Francisco. And she barely comes to New York. So we had a whirlwind six-day love fest. And we went to so many dinners. And we went out a lot. And it was just so fun. I just love her and miss her so much. Yeah, it was so nice having her here. But my second high that is not also your high, or if it is, I would be very shocked, is that so this morning I met with my interior decorator for my apartment and I hired a decorator because my living room, similar to yours, is like a big open space. Like it's like the kitchen, dining, living room. It takes a lot of thought. Yeah, it's all one big space. And I feel really intimidated. And actually, one of my biggest regrets from my last apartment was that I kind of went in with the attitude that I wasn't going to stay there that long. Because before I moved into that apartment, I the longest I'd le- ever lived anywhere was 18 months. And I ended up staying in my last apartment for six and a half years. And I didn't really take the time to decorate it until probably three or four years in. And looking back, I really wish that I had done it from the get-go. So I hired a decorator to help me make all these decisions because I don't think this is in my skill set. She came over this morning. We looked at mood boards. First of all, it was really fun. Second of all, I think I'm going to have a wall of bookshelves in my living room, which is my actual dream. That's so fun. I'm so excited. So fun. So it's kind of a long process because... Yeah, it takes forever. Today we looked at it mood boards. It took me a year to get my place done. I know. Today we looked at mood boards. I asked her to front load some of the things that I need more urgently. Like she's going to start with the office and I need chairs for my kitchen island. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like we're going to meet again in a week. And I'm like, yeah, but I want my apartment to be decorated now. But I am so excited. It's the best. I love I love decorating and I love moving. and I love all that stuff. Yeah. What about you? What's your high? My high is friends in town. So we had Jackie here um, and we've just been out with her like pretty much every night. And then my friend Nick is in town, so I'm seeing him a bunch tonight and this weekend. So it's like a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, which is is fun. I'm just – I am a little tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your low? <laughs> my low is that I'm really tired. So I was joking with my friend um, – my resting t- my resting state is tired these days. I feel like everyone's like, how are you? I'm like, good. Like, what day is it? Like, I don't really – I'm just tired. And I've had – plans every night for the past, I think like 10 nights. And then I have plans every night for the next seven days. So I'm like a little overwhelmed. Um, I am an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert and then I'm very outgoing and can be like really fun when need be. But if I don't get like my like one to two nights a week by myself with Tyrion, I'm like kind of grumpy. So I'm grumpy right now. But I'm also just excited because, like, tonight's plans, I have a black tie birthday party and then a late night dinner at Polo Bar with my friend. Like, what? I can't think of a more fun night. 
pull a bar twice in one week. I know. Like, How bougie. I am so bougie this week. Um, yeah, and then it's going to be like lots of, maybe I'll do Saqqara after this when, when my busy times end. Okay. Yeah. Been eating and drinking way too much. How about you? Um, I feel less strongly about, mine is like the same, but it's, I feel less strongly about it than you do. I have just been out six nights in a row, so I'm really excited to have a night in and read tonight. And I said on this, rest my liver, but then as I was writing this, I was like, oh, it'd be really nice to have a glass of red wine and just like read a book. So TBD on resting my liver. You don't have to rest your liver. Like get a workout in, like chill out. But wine and books just go so nicely together. I'm not working out today, but. Me either. I'm very excited to read and just have like a low key time. I'm jealous. I can't wait for that. I think I might be doing that tomorrow. I'm not unclear. We'll see. But what else do we have to talk about, Becca? Well, it's like the opposite of low key, but we have our tour coming up. Yes. Speaking of wine and books going so well together. Oh, yeah, actually. Actually. So if you haven't been listening for very long, we are doing live shows starting in June in In May, actually. Like May 29th. May 29th in Chicago. Then we're going to D.C. We're going to Boston. We're going to Charleston and we're going to Nashville. So there are still tickets available. Go to our website, Bad on Paper Podcast backslash live. If you're planning to buy a ticket, can you do it now instead of waiting? Because it would make me feel a lot better if we just like sell them out. Well, I was going to say just like know where we are. But yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Sell I them know out. so many people are like, yeah, I'm definitely coming. I'm like, did you get your tickets yet? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, A, it might sell out and you will not be able to come then. Right. And B, like when we're talking to the venues and we need to we can't we can't be like well all these people are are definitely gonna come yeah so buy so, your ticket get your ticket and bring a friend i can't wait to i had so much fun at our new york show it was so much fun i'm really excited to do it in person again yeah, yeah. you forget sometimes that there's people on the other end of the podcast yeah so it's really fun to just like get to meet you guys and you're gonna have to wear clothes you can't wear a robe to our live show i know i'm gonna have to wear clothes i would say pants but i'm gonna wear dresses mm. yeah so that's exciting. Yeah. You know what else is exciting? Reviews? Yeah. It's Desperation Minute, folks. We haven't had we a haven't Desperation had a proper Minute. Des- Maybe we should make it like the, the next Desperation Hour. That no. sounds awful. That sounds terrible. Even I wouldn't listen no, to that. No, I would never listen to that. Um, so guys, if you like this podcast, please, please, please go to iTunes, leave us a review, preferably five stars. We love it if you want to write something. If you don't want to write something, just hit five stars and be done with it. If you've already done that. Tell all your friends. Bring them to our live show. Put us on your Instagram story. Put our live show on your Instagram story. Well, you know what Bring we your office. You know what we haven't talked about in a while? What? Our Facebook group. Oh, my God. Our Facebook group is lit. There's like 2,000 people in it, and they just love to talk about books. So yeah. if you need reading recommendations or you want some like-minded folks. Yeah, because, guys, whenever I'm reading a book, I'll get so many DMs on social, which is great. I love talking about books. But you know what's even better is talking about it and having everyone be able to chime in. I can't be in a two-person book club with like 30 people. It's too much. I don't have that problem. But come come, join our Facebook group. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. So let's get into the topic at hand. So we wanted to talk about differences in your 20s and your 30s because it's really interesting. Our audience, I feel like, is pretty evenly split between their 20s and their 30s. So for the people in their 20s, I feel like... It'll be like, here's what's ahead. And for people in their 30s, it'll be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. Yeah. So, okay. Here's how I thought we could start. 
So to kind of like set the scene, can we go back in time 10 years? What was Grace Atwood doing 10 years ago? Like, I want to know, where were you working? Where did you live? And what was your living situation like? Were you in a relationship? Okay, so 10 years ago, I was 27. It was actually like right before I met my long-term boyfriend. Um, But back then, relationships, I always had boyfriends all through my 20s. Like from age like basically like age 17 to age 20, age 32, I always had a boyfriend. Now it's been, I'm like going on six years of being mostly single. Um, So I had a boyfriend, we broke up and then I met the next boyfriend like a month later. Like it was, I was like the girl with a boyfriend. 10 years ago, I was working for Cody. I was in the beauty industry. I was a marketing manager working on Sally Hansen nail color. Did you get to pick the colors? I did. What and was and the, I named them too. Oh my God. What is the color you are most proud of and what's the name you are most proud of? So my project was those salon effects nail strips. You know, those like the press on like, it was like stickers mm-hmm. of nail polish and it was actually a really cool idea. My favorite was... Um, this one that was multicolor glitter and it was like really thick because, you know, with glitter nail polish, it's mm-hmm. really hard to you have to do like 100 coats. Yep. So this was like it was press on glitter and rainbow glitter and I named it Frockstar. And I was so proud of that name. I thought it was cool. Like rock instead of Rockstar, it was Frockstar. OK. I thought it was Becca's like looking at me like that's not cool. But I loved that one. Um, I had a lot of other ones I was proud of, but this was 10 years ago. I don't even remember. I mean, I know this was your actual job. But and you probably don't want to hear this, but like I think I would be great at naming nail polish colors. Yeah, everyone does until you have to sit down in a room and do it. It's hard. I'll take that challenge. <laughs> so I did name them. That was a small part of the job. I was also creating like all of the displays for in-store. I was um, working on new product concepts with our product development team. I was um, working on the ad campaigns. Like it, back then, ads were mostly print. So I remember like cutting out. This is like so silly, but cutting out. Do you remember those Sally Hansen ads that were like all the fingers with like all the colors? Mm-hmm. Like I would be cutting out the fingers and like seeing which colors looked best next to each other. Um, I was doing stability tests for neon nail polishes because neons are really hard. And like, you know, Sally Hansen has very um, – this is a fun walk down memory lane. I have, it was a fun job except I had a nightmare boss, which was why I started my blog because I needed a creative outlet because I was just like so stressed. What about living? Where did you where did you live at the time? I lived in Chelsea. I had an apartment on it was actually a great apartment. It was a one bedroom. It was by yourself? Yes. But my rent was twenty two hundred dollars, which for a one bedroom is great. And what happened was my friend and I were living in it together. Like she um we split the living area up with bookshelves to make it a um a two bedroom. And we did not live well together. We had a big fight. She moved out. But when I got my job at Cody, I got a pretty good raise so I could afford that rent. And so I was living there by myself. I only did it for a year because then I met my boyfriend and I was always at his place. So I moved to like a really cheap apartment for that time. Okay. But yeah, I had a great little – it was like – it was little. Like it's much smaller than where we, we – well, we live in palaces now. But back then it was like a pretty good setup. Okay. What else? Was there any other questions about 10 years ago? No, I think I think I have the picture. Okay. How about you? Um, okay, so 10 years ago, I'm 32, so I was 22. Oh, this is like this is going to be totally different than my I 10 know. years ago. I was directly post college. Uh, I worked at a consulting firm. It was this boutique consulting firm and it was okay. I I got paid well, better than a lot of my friends right out of college, so that was good. 
the work was not very interesting. There was like definitely some data entry. There were like a lot of meetings. I did get to travel a lot, which at the time I really liked. I traveled probably like every other week um, and would be in a different city. And it was nice because I was 22 and they would put us up at nice hotels and we would get get to go out to dinner every night. So it was like way nicer than the life I could afford at home. But I, I really liked the people I worked with. I just I wasn't like really jazzed about the job. So that's where I worked. I lived in Boston at the time. I lived in Southie, kind of on the cusp of when it was starting to become nice. But now I go back to Southie and I'm like, you have a grocery store now. It's so nice like, now. There are restaurants other than the playwright. Like this is not where I lived. Yeah. So I lived in Southie. I lived with my best friend Molly in this apartment that her dad bought bought for her and we paid no money in rent. We paid I think we paid $750 each for this two bedroom two bathroom apartment that was brand new. And we had a garage like it was very nice. I had a situation like that when I lived in Boston, but that was like 15 years ago. I mean like don't get too jealous because he later kicked us out of that apartment. So it's not as if it was yeah. It had a dark side. Uh, we had a great roof deck, which was really fun. We had a ton of parties there. So loved that. And Molly and I were the same clothing size. So we shared all of our clothes, which was awesome. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not in a relationship, but I was like deeply hung up on somebody that I dated when I was in college. And I was like not over it. And I was like still Ooh. holding a flame. Yeah, yeah. For him. I held a flame for my college boyfriend for a while after. So that's that was me did I miss anything I think you got it all okay yeah so okay so where did you think you were going to be at this age like in the suburbs with a family I don't know if when I was 27 you're like you're gonna be single you're gonna live alone and you're gonna have a cat I would be like fuck no like I wrote about this on my blog and I was like I would have if you told me like I mean, just like not all the all the good stuff, but if you were like, this is going to be your life when you're 37, I would be like, shit. Like I would like let like not come out of my room for like a couple days because I'd be devastated. So wait, you thought that you were going to have kids? Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want kids now, but at, when you were 27, you thought that you yeah. were going to be like I just didn't give shacked things, up in the burbs? Yeah. I just didn't give things a lot of thought. Like it was like everyone I knew, that's like what you did. Okay. So I just, I didn't like think about the tangible element of a child because I was young. So I wasn't like, I will wake up every morning and feed this thing and I will like have to take care of it and take it to school and deal with childcare and like all these things. Like I was just like, yeah, I'll have a family. And in this fictional world, were you like a stay at home mom or what did you do for work? Oh no, I was going to be like a career woman. Like I always just figured I'd climb the ranks at Cody or P&G. Oh, so you're commuting into the city. Oh yeah. like Oh, okay. I didn't really give it a lot of thought. Like, I think I had a lot of ideas in my head about how my life would look, but I didn't think about like the, like how shitty commuting is mm-hmm. or like the fact that I don't actually like children. Like, I love my nieces and nephews. I love my friends' kids. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I'm sure if I had one, like, I would like it. But I just don't generally like like the idea of having a child. I'm too selfish. I like to travel. Like, I don't want to give up all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like it makes me sound deeply unlikable when I say these things. But you're but, being honest. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I just didn't think about 
if I would like these things. It, it was just like that's what I'm going but, to yeah, do. Yeah, of course, of course, I'm of course, I'm going to have kids. Of course, like I'll keep working. Like I always have like loved work, mm-hmm. so I never wanted to be like a stay at home mom. But in my head, I was like, I'll be married. I will have kids. Like there was like just a headless, handsome f- husband and like, like a two kids. Yeah, and I was like, I would live. I always thought that I would live. There is one area of the suburbs I do really like, like the Bronxville area, like up there. I think it's really cute and really pretty. Um, I, I'm i not a Connecticut lady. I um, don't really – like I, my family all lives in New Jersey, and I like New Jersey, but that's like a hike to me. Like Bronxville feels very nice, like um, getting to like Grand Central and stuff. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I was like going to live in Bronxville or like that, that whole area and like have that, that life. Yeah. But um, – don't, definitely don't have that life. Well, that's the funny part. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I'm so much happier because I think now, like, I, I I don't just think about, like, this, like, arbitrary thing. I think, like, what would I actually want? What would make me happy? Mm-hmm. Versus, like, these, like, because when you're in your 20s, you're like, yeah, this is my vague, like, life plan. Right. Not about whether it's going to make you happy or anything. Right. What about you? So when I was 22, I was I was really grappling with my career. So I don't think I had any foresight into where I would be career-wise. At the time, I, st- I, th- I was thinking about going to law school or business school. So I like had this vague picture of being successful, but like I wasn't really sure how I wanted to get there. Yeah. And I definitely thought that I was going to go to graduate school because I also graduated into the recession. So a lot of people were going to grad school because people couldn't find jobs. So I was like, yeah, like I'm just going to work here for a couple years and then I'll take the GMAT and go to business school or or go to law school or something. Yeah. So I had no idea where, where I would be career wise. Yeah. Um, I definitely thought I would be married. I, you know, how some things in pop culture just really stick with you. Yeah. Do you remember that episode of Friends where Rachel is talking about how she wants to have kids by the time she's like, I can't remember how old it is, but it's like, 32 or something she's like yeah I want to have my first kid by 32 and she's like doing the math and it's I think it's when she turns 30 so she's like freaking out and she's like doing the math and she's like so I need to meet someone and then we'll be together for this long and then we'll get engaged and then we'll get married and then we'll have a kid and she's like doing the math and I in my head I was like yeah that sounds right yeah it was like of course you need to like yeah be married by 30 yeah of course of course I remember there was an episode of the Bachelorette, and one of the girls, or maybe it was the Bachelor, but like I, did, I wasn't a loyal Bachelor watcher. But there was this girl, Tanya. I think her name was Tanya. I don't remember her name actually. And she was like, "Well, I have to, you know, get married by the time I'm thirty because I have to have kids by thirty-two. And I was, and I remember shaking my head and being like, "Yeah, that's the plan. That's what you do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely <laughs> just like accepted that. Um. And I don't know. I I mean, it's hard to – I think you have less of a picture of where you're going to end up when you're 22. I'd, like, just graduated college. Like, yeah, I definitely – I st- I mean, I st- still do. But I was like, I want to live at Euro- in Europe some point without, like, any regard for, like, how hard it is to get a visa or, like, how annoying yeah, that would yeah. be. I was like, I'm going to live in Europe and, like, <laughs> I have no idea what I thought I was going to do. That's really funny. But – yeah, I think that in your 20s, you just have these like vague, it's like this like vague future. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do these things like get married, like live in Europe. Like you don't think about the actual details behind any of it. No, no. Yeah. So I want to get a little deeper. Okay. I put in a bunch of topics that I want yeah. us to like kind of talk about. So 
First, I want to talk about relationships. Okay. So I – If you can't tell, Becca wrote this whole outline because I was – I'm a little bit of a stress case this week. It's okay. Um. So the first thing that I was thinking about relationships is it's so crazy because 10 years ago, dating apps didn't exist. I know. So where did you meet people? Always through You had friends. so many boyfriends. So many boyfriends. Where did you find them? So they all came from friends. Like there was Kenny when I was 22. I met him through my best friend, Ryan. Then we broke up. I moved to New York. I met my boyfriend, Rob, through my group of friends there. Then we broke up. Then I met John through work. Mm-hmm. Then I met... We broke up and a month later I met Stefan and we were together for like five years, four years. And that was like my longest relationship um, all through friends. Like in what context? Like you were at a party and somebody brought their friend or somebody set you up? Like um, they were all – so John, I thought we were going on, a, on like works meet works, work drinks and like we ended up making out. So like that was the one exception. Everyone else, it was – parties through friends like we always were going to happy hour and stuff when i was mm-hmm. doing this big group of friends and everyone brought guys that's what i was gonna say is like yeah. i was trying to think about this when i was writing this and i was like everyone i met with somebody i like brought home from a bar like hooked up with at a party something like that yeah mine weren't random but like it was like you're out like rob came I'm trying to think. So Rob came – yeah, Kenny came through my – he moved from Cincinnati to Boston. That was a bo- when I lived in Boston. And he I met through my best friend and, like, we hit it off immediately because we both liked running and stuff. It was very, like – he was the one who's really religious. Okay. Yeah. Then um, the rest was just happy hour – like, drunk happy hour. With, yeah. And, like, everyone would just bring all their friends. Which is so hilarious because I, I literally can't think of the last time that I met someone – in person like everything is on the apps now but yeah i was like oh no like you've done this in your lifetime like it's not even foreign to you yeah i'm talking to myself not to grace but yeah it's so wild because i feel like when i was in my 20s well so when i was in my very just always on their phones right well when i was in my very early 20s i worked at a restaurant and everyone was hooking up so yeah definitely like we would we would work our shift and then we would go out every night and yeah so i mean i definitely like dated a ton of people that way and then otherwise it was like people who were like in our friend group or like in an adjacent friend group and you met them like when you went out with like a group of nine million people to a bar yeah and then i feel like in my case at least usually it would be like we would hook up and then it would be like oh now we'll go on a date oh mine was always dates and then we'd hook up Oh, it was very prim and proper in my 20s. Too. Can I tell you a really embarrassing dating yeah. story from my 20s? Yes, always. So this is when I still lived in Boston. I moved when I was 24. I'm not exactly sure how old I was, but we went to a concert. It was a Dr. Dog concert. And I don't even know what Dr. Dog is. It's like a it's kind of jam bandy, but it's okay. You would like it. Um, So we were at this concert and we were on the it was at the Paradise Rock Club, which is a really small venue. We were on the balcony and it's all standing room, so you can kind of just like move around wherever. And I was like talking to this guy and we were like flirting and he asked me on a date. I think we made out that night and then he asked me on a date. And um so we set up the date and he we went to the north end for pastries. And I was like, oh wow, like That's this cute. is so cute. Like usually yeah. You know, you go on a date and it's for drinks or, 
you know, like come to this party with me or, or in something Boston to go watch sports, to go watch sports. I yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. So I was like, he didn't ask me for drinks. Like, this is like so cute and special. That's how I was with Kenny because he invited me to a museum. Well, wait, there's like, a, there is a, there oh, is no. a punchline to this. Okay. So we go and we're talking about it and he's telling, it's over the summer also is important to mention. And he's telling me all about his, um, the house that he lives in with like 15 of his closest friends. And you know, you're like, I'm 23 or 24 at the time. So like, it's not all that unusual that, you know, somebody lives with a ton of roommates and we, he like keeps talking and I'm like, this is like a frat house. And he's like, yeah, at my frat. And it turns oh. out that he was, it was the summer after his freshman year in college and that he was an intern somewhere and he had, he went to Cornell. And we weren't going on a date for drinks because he was not <laughs> old enough to drink. That's amazing. You I mean, it's cradle robbery, you. Well, it's really funny because at the time I was like, oh my God, he's so young. But he was like realistically like less than five years younger than me. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, yeah, five years younger, great. I know, but at the time I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, I met him at a concert. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah. I know. Has um, has the people that you're attracted to changed or has, like, what you want in a relationship changed from your 20s to your 30s? Yes, absolutely. I think that when I was younger, I um, I definitely dated people who wanted, like, a more traditional kind of life, like – I remember my ex was like, well, we're going to have kids and like, you, you'll you stay home. And I was like, I will not stay home. But like now I would like that would be talked about up front and it wouldn't like you wouldn't even like get that far down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I, I'm definitely I didn't really I always liked people that were like interesting and creative. Ambition's a big one now. Like if you're not ambitious, totally. like I can't do it. That's one a big one for me. I feel like in my 20s, I was much more attract i was much more driven by looks than i yes. was by like s- success personality or- makes people so hot i think like well no but like i didn't care like i i dated so many bartenders and oh. aspiring whatnots writers actors whatever and now like if i feel like i mean maybe if i met them offline and we like really clicked it wouldn't matter but I'm like, oh my god, you're a bartender. Like, no, our schedules are going to be totally opposite. Like, well, you get think out about of here. that practical stuff. You're like, no, like I don't want to like wait for you till two a.m. and like, or be like hanging out at your bar all the time. Totally. Yeah, but when you're young, you're like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like, yeah. I'm going to get free drinks and it's going to all a place to go with my girlfriends. Yeah. But now I think ambition is so important because. I don't care if someone makes a ton of money, but I want them to be so passionate about whatever they're doing for their job. I want them to be like the way that we are, like about this podcast, me about my blog, you about your marketing. Like all of my um, girlfriends have these great jobs. And so I want a guy that's like that too, that like loves what they do and is excited about it. I totally agree. Because if somebody was just like a work to live person, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love taking a great vacation. I love going out to meals and having fun. But if somebody was just like, I clock in, I clock out and I'm doing this for the money. Like, I think we would be at odds because, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm there are nights when I'm like, oh, no, like I'm working because I have to get these things done. Yeah. Not because like I have an hours quota or something, Mm -hmm. you know, I went on a first date last week and 
the guy was really nice, but I remember I was like, so tell me about your job. And he's like, really? Like, we don't have more to talk about. He's like, I feel like you only talk about work when you totally run out of things. I'm like, work is like what I love to talk about. Not the whole time, but like. Yeah, if you were so one-dimensional that work was all you could talk about, that would be boring. But But I was like kind of put off by that. I was like, oh, like. No, I want to know that you're ambitious and that you're passionate about whatever you do. Yeah, same. So that's a big one. Um. Oh, a funny one is when I was younger, I really wanted someone to go running with because I was really into running. And so my ex and I, we, we he loved running too. So we would go for these runs. And I realized very quickly, I hate working out with a partner. Imagine if you stayed with somebody who your like entire relationship was based on running together. And now you're like, fuck, I don't want to go running. No, it made me stop wanting to go running because he'd be like, come on, pick it up. And I'd be like, fuck you. Although when we both ran the Boston Marathon, guess who beat who? You beat him? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. By like 20 minutes. Not even just like a little bit, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, still like to brag about that. Um, Trying to think about other things. Yeah, I think I was just like, I cared a lot more about looks. Um, Didn't really think about, I just didn't think long term, like similar to like my 20s about like having kids like I just was like oh like this person's like I like I like hooking up with them and I think they're funny and interesting and smart like cool I just didn't think about like long-term compatibility things like ambition and if they love what they do um like things like if they make you a better person mm-hmm. um I mean it was much more about fun and the thing is is that I'm not even super um attached to having children so i'm not like oh i need to get married i need to have children like i i would like a partner but i'm not on on the same clock yeah as if i were like oh i need to have four kids so i better get started yeah um but i feel like you know you would date people that had like you i would waste my own time you know Mm -hmm. like you're dating people with all these flaws because you're like oh they're fun like yeah i want somebody to hang out with on you know like on a weekend night like yeah and i feel like i would like hold on to relationships that were like not even good on paper like you're just like "Eh." like i always had a boyfriend were they the right boyfriends no but i was just like yeah like this is what i'm doing now like this is who i'm dating yeah yeah it's interesting. I feel in my 30s at once, like, I feel somewhat more pressure because it's like so many of my friends are in couples, are married, are starting to have children. So in that way, I feel more pressure. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I would rather be with no one than the wrong person. Absolutely. You know? So it's like there's more pressure, but at the same time, there's less pressure because I'm like, if all I'm meeting is bozos, mm-hmm. that's the technical term. Bozos. Then, like, I'm very happy by myself like I'm looking forward to my glass of wine and reading night like I don't need yeah I don't need the wrong person there mucking that up totally so I think that's an an interesting part about being single in my 30s that like there's kind of a duality of more pressure but also like higher expectations yes absolutely yeah yeah the bar just gets higher totally yeah totally um Wait, I want to talk a little bit more about you said your point of view on children has really changed. Like, how did that happen? Like, when did you because you were 27 in our 10 year yeah. review, you want you were like living in Bronxville with 
2.5 kids. Yeah. So first of all, I'm not completely opposed. Like if tomorrow I met the love of my life and I felt like he was ambitious and loved his job, like was dying to have like one one child um, and would be able to share in both the creation of wealth, like earning money, as well as splitting up the work because I've met a lot of guys that are plenty wealthy, want kids and like just want like a little wife to stay home and like that's not me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it would work. I would be open to it. But the thing is, is I'm 37. Like the time, the gap is what I'm going to be like 45 and having a baby. Maybe. Who knows? You could be. Who? Um, Wasn't it like Laura Linney like had a yeah kid at 45? Or like if my I change my mind, I would love to adopt. Like I think there's so many kids out there that need good homes. Again, this is coming from someone who at 37 doesn't really like kids. So but I just think that people change their mind all the time and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. that. But how did you get to the place where you were like, oh, maybe I don't want kids? I think spending more time with people who don't want them um, because it like normalized it a little bit more, which is why I've started to talk about that more because I want – I think we need to normalize these things. Like a lot – like when I mentioned in a – I did like a Q&A on my, on my Instagram I got like hun- literally hundreds of messages from women that were like, thank you for saying you're not sure if you want kids. Like that makes me feel so much better. So like there's that. But in terms of like how I got there, I think it was just like looking at my life and like seeing like would this fit in or seeing, you know, my sisters or friends who have kids and what their what their lives look like right now. And that's not appealing to me. Yeah, I'm, a- I'm kind of grappling with that right now where I – had always thought that I had wanted, would want children. But honestly, and this is going to sound kind of terrible, I feel right now at 32 too selfish to have children. I'm way too selfish. I'm 37 and way too selfish to have children. But like in this idealistic, like, you know, live in Bronxville world, I'm like, of course I'll have kids. But then I'm like, what would need to change in my life? And am I willing to make those changes? And the answer is like kind of across the board, no right now. And who knows, maybe in five years, 10 years even, I will feel differently. But I'm like, oh, wow. Like if just thinking to this weekend, like our friend Jackie was visiting, like if I had a kid, I would have to not really see her or get a babysitter or be home early. And I'm, and like, that's a stupid example, but I'm just like, no, I don't want that. Or like, I wouldn't be able to travel and I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to do this tour for the podcast easily. Like, there's so many things. My I whole like life would not work with a child. The ease and flexibility. And I mean, frankly, the luxury of being able to put myself first. Yes. But there are people like, I, I've had like long conversations with friends who do have children because I was like, I remember like, you know, what, Around the time that Andy broke up, Andy's my latest ex-boyfriend. He desperately wants children. Um, I remember sitting with Nicolette and saying to him, like, I mean to her, and just being like, "Did you? how did you know that you wanted children? She's like, I would – she was like, I just knew I needed to have them. She's like, I would see babies on the subway and, like, my heart would start to ache. I would feel, like, just this constant pull. She's like, and after I had the first one, I was fine. I didn't, like, ache every time I saw a baby and then – before I got pregnant with the second one, I was getting that feeling again. Like hmm. people, like I feel like, a, and my sister Meredith, like always played with baby dolls, like just like f- 
like always wanted to like babysit and hold the baby. Like even as a, you know, a kid when my, like I newborn cousins, I never really wanted to hold them. Like I was just not, I don't, I I wonder if I like am missing like a gene, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, but, um, and then there's nothing wrong with wanting them. Like I think everyone's built differently and like, we're not all the same and we're not all going to think the same way about stuff. And we can also change our minds. Totally. Totally. But, but um, yeah, it was, it's an interesting kind of transition. Here's a transition for you. Oh, what's the transition, Becca? Well, since we're not sure about children, we're definitely going to have periods. So let's talk about today's sponsor, <laughs> which is Lola. Ooh, what a transition. Thank you. So today's sponsor is Lola. I mean, we're pretty biased. I used to work there, but um, we think every woman should be using Lola feminine care products. So if you don't know, Lola makes tampons, pads, and liners made with 100% organic cotton. So if you haven't heard us talk about Lola before, you might be wondering why that's a big deal. It's a big deal because the FDA does not require tampon brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients. So you think that you're just getting, you know, a wad of cotton or whatever. You're not. Um... We obviously care all about the ingredients in our food, our face creams, pretty much everything. So why wouldn't you want to have the same standards when it comes to something you're putting inside your body? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I am just always bowled over when I hear this stat that women use an average of 10,000 tampons in their lifetime. So it's really about the cumulative cumulative exposure to ingredients. It's not just like a one-off, you know? Yeah. So it's every day putting like a little bit of something in well i mean you don't have your period every day but like when you have your period you use you know 15 tampons in a period you know yeah so lola tampons are made without any fragrances synthetic fibers and dyes which frankly just like gives me a little peace of mind yes absolutely so lola products they actually come in a customizable subscription so you can choose what you want in your box how frequently it comes like i only get mine to come every two months because I don't use 18 tampons every period. Um, And then it shows up at your door. So you don't have to like forget your tampons. Like I was in, I was on a vacation and I, I always forget to pack them when I travel and then I have to like go run out to the drugstore. So it's so nice that they're there. They come in a beautiful white box um, and you can change, skip or cancel at any time. Also, I don't think we've talked about this in our ads before, and I don't know if people know this, but I'm pretty proud of this because this project was my baby. But um, Lola also donates products to homeless shelters, and I don't know where they're up to, but when I left last year, they donated over a million products to homeless shelters across the U.S., and feminine care products tend to be one of the most requested items at homeless shelters because people don't donate them the same way. You just don't think of it. Yeah, the same way that they donate food or clothing. So I'm also really proud that every time I get my Lola order, I know that I'm supporting doing a little bit of good too. I love that. So we have an offer for you. And this is a good one for 40% off. Like 40% is a good, it's a really good deal. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter code BOP at checkout. So that's mylola.com for um, and enter code BOP and get 40% off all subscriptions. Do it. Yes, go do it. I don't have a transition here to get us back from tampons to jobs. Well, we were going to talk about differences in jobs. You worked for Lola. That's kind of a transition. I'm, I'm going to work on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about differences in jobs. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier in the episode, but I 
definitely in my early 20s did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Like I've talked about this before, but I had kind of been raised that you could just be like a doctor, a lawyer, or a vague business person. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have any consciousness that creative careers were an option or even that like some fields like working in fashion, even on the business side was like an option. So I was like really struggling in my early 20s to figure out what I wanted to do. And I know so many people write to us. And one thing that I hear over and over, and I just like want to like pet everyone who says this and be like, it's going to be okay when people are really worried because they don't, because they think they have to do something that has to do with their major. Oh, yeah. I was a finance major, you guys. Like, what? Yeah, I was an international relations major. So you were going to be a spy and I was going to be a finance bro. Yeah, like I and it's it's the other thing is like it's not just us like I don't I know very few people who do anything that has to do with their major. Yeah. The college is about getting connections and getting your foot in the door somewhere. Like when I was interviewing like recent grads for jobs, it was always about their personality, whether it was a culture fit, whether they seemed smart, whether they seemed goal-oriented and ambitious. I wasn't like, well, this person was XYZ major, so we can't hire them. I also feel like I've learned so many more skills on the job. Where I went to a liberal arts college, so I think it was a very good base education of how to write, of like critical reading, of learning to speak another language, you know, kind of taking this broad curriculum. I thought you were going to say learning to spell when you were saying learning to sp... Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hopefully you learned that in high school. Frankly, I could still use some help there. (laughs) But... um. I I feel like I learned some soft skills, but they're not very transferable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't like I didn't get a Bachelor of Science. I wasn't a finance major like you were where they like taught you real things. Yeah, like I learned Excel and all that stuff. So that helps. Right. But I feel like I've learned way more of my skills on the job than I've learned. I learned in college. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, the reality is at a lot of places you need a college degree to be eligible, regardless of whether that's like an English degree that has nothing to do with the job. But I mean, I don't know. I just I feel like I always feel I feel so empathetic towards the people who are struggling and are like, oh, can I do something different? Because I, you know, don't actually think this is what I want to do, but I have this major in it. And it's like, yeah, go do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I did my career change I was 24 or 25 and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to throw this out and start over like Mulligan. This didn't work. I've changed careers four times, but all of the experience that I've had within each one has helped me with the other. Yeah. And I, I definitely think like there are tons of transferable skills, whether they be hard skills or soft skills that like. It isn't as much starting over at the bottom unless you're I mean, like if you want to be a doctor, yeah, you have to start yeah. over at the bottom. I never I always ch- every time I changed, it was still a, a vertical or a diagonal move, not not lateral and not going back a step. Yeah. 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 Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the transition to managing people. Mm. Yeah. So that was a tough transition for me because where I was had- the first person that you where was the first place that you managed a person? It was at P&G. Okay. Um, when I was an assistant buyer, I always had an intern and I like managed them. But like they were like always people that were very similar to me went to like – and it was easy. When I 
started managing people in the beauty industry, it was tricky because I was often the same age as them. And I, um, I look young and I'm, can be like too nice. I've gotten a lot more stern because I had a couple of bad experiences. I had, when I was at Cody, the girl I managed was really aggressive and she also was bad at her job. So she would get really combative. Um, and it was hard because I, she was already in the role and I came in, so I didn't hire her. She was just there and she was my built in assistant and she was terrible. Um, so that was rough. But uh, I have to be careful because I worry that, like, some of these people listen to the podcast. (laughs) Um, It was definitely tough. I think it got better when we were at Bobble Bar and, like, you know, Ilana, for example, like, someone that you fully hire and invest in in training, like, that is, like, the best when you get to kind of pick them and train them and help develop them. That was great. But uh, I I had a lot of experiences both at P&G and Cody where, like, it was like, oh, here's your assistant or here's your coordinator. You don't and get like, to pick them. The person was terrible. Yeah. 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 I have managed people um, probably for the last like – well, not right now. I work for myself. But like the last three jobs I've had, I've managed people and then teams. And it's such an – in in some ways, and I I do like managing people. I th- I consider myself a very good manager. However, it is such a rough transition because you go from doing the work to there were times when I was at Lola where I was like, I am a professional meeting attender. Like yes. all I do is have meetings with people, go relay that information to other people, listen to status updates, and like also I feel like you know there's times when you're a manager. And this isn't specific to like the people I manage, but I think just in general where you're like, am I your therapist right now? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like dealing with interpersonal issues and you're like, I am so far away from the work right now. Yeah. I remember feeling that way at Bubble Bar like and just like being in all like the HOB meetings and everything and just being like, "What? when do I get to sit down and work? Like, right. I don't have any time to actually – and, like, you know, for that job, it was so executional because it was social media and influencer outreach. And I couldn't be on email with all those influencers we worked with if I was sitting in three-hour meetings. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was an unexpected transition where I, – I mean, maybe this is just being naive, but when I thought about, like, what it meant to manage somebody, like, I wasn't like, cool, you just, like, now go to a lot of meetings and that's your job now. Yeah, yeah. And I like answer a lot of emails. Like there were days when I was at Lola where I was like, what did I do today? And it was like, I answered a hundred emails and like sat in six hours of meetings and like, I don't really have much to show for myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that has been a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. I like managing people. So I I don't, I'm, I, I have a friend, I don't want to call her out by name, but like I have a friend who really dislikes managing people and she works for herself now because she's like, I just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know? And so she's like, I want to be a one-woman show. I don't want to, like, have a boss. I don't want to manage people. Like, I just, I'm not into that. Yeah. And then, like, the flip side, our friend Jackie is like, she's like, I think I have a passion for managing people. Like, she's yeah. a writer and she's like, I don't write anymore. She's like, I edit and I manage. And, like, she's really fulfilled and happy with that. And I think I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, I miss, I love having an intern. Like, Like, well, Cassidy, who edits our podcast now, I love having, like, someone to, like, you know, teach stuff to and, like, also having that company. I also really like being at home in the quiet all day. So it's, it's like, it's nice to, I I generally do well having someone who comes in, like, two or three days a week. Yeah. 
Well, wait, so did you foresee yourself working for yourself or did that kind of take you by surprise? Oh, yeah. My whole career has been one big surprise. Like, I always just thought, like, when I was in the buying office, I thought I was going to work my way up to, like, GMM one day and, like, be in charge of, like, a team of buyers. Mm -hmm. Then when I was in the beauty industry, I was like, oh, no, this is – I like this so much better. I'm going to become, like, senior vice president of marketing for a beauty brand. That was, like, what I wanted. I was like, I'm going to become, like, the head of marketing for, like, a and like. I mean, a division of P&G or a division of Cody or a smaller niche beauty company. But I was like, I'm going to work in the beauty industry forever. I'm going to like work my way up the career ladder. It just didn't even like occur to me that like it was an option or that something I wanted to do. Me either. I, I, I think I talked about this on the episode about working for yourself, but I kind of did it as like it was not that it wasn't my first choice, but I was like, I'm so burnt out. I can't get excited about anything. Like I'm going to work for myself for a while and then like, you know, restore my levels and then I'll, yeah. and then I'll get back out there. And now I'm like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I remember even on the podcast, you're like, well, I'll probably get another job after like six months. And I'm not. Yeah. But um, yeah, I didn't ever foresee myself working for myself. And I think it's been a really unanticipated positive change where like, I have spent my whole career, my 20s and my 30s, working for startups and working so hard, like really demanding jobs that just take so much time. Yeah. And I am enjoying having a better sense of balance. And like as a human, I would like to carry that forward, you know, Yeah. not having this like crazy high stress, always on, always working job. Mm -hmm. But I didn't plan for it. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't plan for it. You know, I was thinking actually a funny conversation. So when I was in between P&G and Cody, I was laid off at P&G. And I was, I remember talking to like my friends and being like, what do I want to do next? And I started this blog about being laid off. And it was just like, it was a, everyone was getting laid off because it was 2008. It was like the height of the recession. And so my blog was called laid off is the new black. And I would list out things you could do if you're laid off. I'd like bring on like networking advice and like career tips, like find tips and tricks for finding a job. Like then there'd be stories about like going to the unemployment office to like collect my check, like just silly stuff. Um, and I remember a friend being like, you're really good at this. Like you should go work for a magazine or this and that. And at the time I, I couldn't, I just couldn't actually afford to do that because I would have had to again, take a step back from what I was doing and make say like $30,000 a year when, when I was at that job, I was making like triple that. So like I, I couldn't do it, but I remember being like, that would be the dream. Like getting to like be an editor for a magazine or like there weren't really blogs yet, but I was like, that's what I would love to do. So I knew I'd love to do it. It just didn't seem realistic. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that it, it turned into a career. Yeah. Well, wait, so one last thing on the job front that I want to talk about is money and confident obviously like you get older you make more money but like the confidence in negotiating your salary and asking for a raise because it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I felt comfortable with that yeah and it's crazy because looking back like the unsolicited advice I want to give to everyone is like if anyone offers you money ask for more yeah if you're not getting a raise at least annually ask for one mm-hmm and like be bullish about it because first of all nobody's gonna hold it against you 
Like in a job negotiation, nobody's gonna be like, oh, they asked for more money. I'm not giving them the job. Yeah. I mean, I think this could be a whole separate episode and maybe it will be. But like if somebody is offering you money, ask for more. And I did not internalize that until probably like halfway through my time at Bobble Bar. Like I remember, I don't want to say it on the podcast because I feel like I don't know if they would be mad. I don't care if people know. Yeah. But they offered me this like ludicrously low salary. Yeah. And instead of being like, no, I deserve more than that. I was like, oh, okay. Because I was like afraid that they were going to like rescind the job offer, I think, if if I didn't take the job, or if I didn't yeah. just take it with at what they offered. And like, cool, in the best case scenario, they give you more money. In the worst case scenario, they're not able to give you more money and you can still accept the job. Yeah. I think I, I just remember working there and like being on the hiring side, like we were given such low starting salaries for people. I I took a I took a forty thousand dollar pay cut to go to Bubble Bar when I when I worked there, and I wanted I just wanted the job so badly, right? And I figured out ways to make it work financially, and I did ask for more, and they were like, "We're so sorry, this is all we can do." And that's true. Like sometimes there isn't more money, but yeah. I I wouldn't even I didn't even feel comfortable asking until like my mid to late twenties. Yeah, I think that's probably when I started to feel more comfortable too. I would say like age age twenty eight. I know. And even when I am on the other side of the equation and I'm hiring somebody, if somebody doesn't ask me for more money, I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Because I always when when I was hiring people, I would always offer them less than my budget because I would leave room assuming they would negotiate. That's funny. I always. And so if people didn't negotiate, I was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely always ask for more. I know. I want to I want to do a separate episode about yeah, we will. this. I think and for me what I do is so much different because it's on a project a very small project basis, like one Instagram post or one blog post. Right. But I give myself a raise every year. Yeah, I I want to talk more about this and like yeah. the tactical how-tos cuz I like I have a lot of thoughts here. Yeah, me too. Okay. Okay. So the next topic we had said that we wanted to talk about was confidence. Yes. I actually have – I wonder if you feel the same way. I'm just going to go first if yeah, that's okay. Yeah, go first. Interview yourself. It's all about you. Here I am. I wrote the outline. <laughs> yeah. I can talk about whatever I want. Put it. I put it on the sheet. Yeah. Now it's gospel. I'm just going to erase it all now. So we I – sit here and work off a Google Doc, by the way. We each have our laptops looking at each other. So on confidence, I feel like I've gone in like a wave pattern, if that makes sense. So I feel like in my early 20s, I had no self-awareness and was just like blindly confident. And I was like, of course I should get this job. Of course this person should date me. Of course I deserve everything in the world. Like very like naive, privileged, just like blind confidence yeah you know like that's a symptom of being in your early 20s though right so I had like this tons of confidence just like nothing to deserve it but just like tons of confidence and then I feel like kind of towards my mid and late 20s then it, it like kind of like really went down and I was like oh my god what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing in any aspect of my life like everyone's better than me you know in every aspect like people are hotter people are better at their jobs people are more successful people are you know live in nicer apartments I was like oh my god like what am I doing and now I feel like I'm on the upswing again Mm -hmm. but like I don't think it's been like a linear 
oh no journey the same way that like other things have just been like up and to the right like confidence i feel like has been like really wavy yes absolutely and i think too i kind of like suffered another dip kind of more recently or like in my early 30s because like i feel like instagram makes everyone feel so bad you know and like just comparing your life to everyone's highlight reel sometimes you're just like oh my god see i guess i'm lucky that i never do that because i'm on the other side of it and i see like what i'm posting versus like what I'm actually doing. Like I'll be like posting a glossy photo and I'll be in sweatpants with frizzy hair on my couch. But don't you get jealous? Not, maybe jealous isn't the right word, but don't you get like that feeling of like people who are like, oh, this person got to a sponsorship through that person that I didn't get offered or. Yes. And I thought that Jess Sturdy did such a good job talking about this on her podcast where it's like, imagine if you basically could see every time your coworkers got a raise or your colleagues got a raise or like got something that you didn't. And that can be really hard because you're like, wait, like, you know, just the other day I saw some influencer talking about Dunkin' Donuts and I was like, why doesn't Dunkin' Donuts Oh my Donuts God, that's my dream. Me? Yes. Dunkin' Donuts, if you're listening, why would, haven't you sponsored us? That yet? would give me a lot more confidence. Yes. I would be much more confident. But at the same time, like I, I think the Instagram came out for me when I was older. So it, it's true. it didn't come out till I was like your age, like, or like 30 or 31. That's true, but I think Instagram has changed across its lifetime. Yes. Where it's really only in the past, I don't know, three or four years where I think it's become like so hyper-produced. Yes. Yes. It's gotten a lot. It's gotten really bad. And I think it's actually swinging back in the other direction. Like for me, every time I post just an in-the-moment iPhone photo of like something, like it gets so much better engagement than like the staged, glossy, edited photo. But wait, what about confidence? Confidence. Mine is definitely ebbed and flowed. I would say I was least confident when I was like actually your age, like around 32. Um, And I would say that a lot of that had to do with my ex-boyfriend and his friends. Like I just felt like I could never like live up to his and their expectations. Like he would like point it out if I gained weight or like anything. And I just really like my self-worth was like pretty low, like around the time that we broke up. I would say it's gotten a lot better. Um, There are days where I just feel awful about myself like everyone does. But I would say, honestly, like this sounds really egotistical, but since the live show, like I've been just like, I am hot shit. (laughs) And like, like we sold out Caroline's. Like what else can we do, you know? And of course, I'm not saying that like I think I'm hot shit. Like I think like I'm critical. Like No, but I mean, I think achieving a goal is something that like, Builds your confidence. When we achieved that goal, like I was like, oh, there's nothing I can't do. And when we got off that stage and friends said to me, I'm telling you this not because I'm your friend, but you guys killed it. I was like, that was one. That's why it was one of the best nights of my life. And I think that for whatever reason, that live show and like that project just like really like changed me and made me a lot more confident. But yeah, it, it goes. there's days where I feel like shit. Like we all have those days. I try not to show those on social media because I get very upset with social media. And like right now there's like an epidemic. This was brought up in my Facebook group today, but the Stripe Facebook group where like women, like thin women are complaining about their bodies on Instagram all the time or saying like terrible things. Like, first of all, I try and squash any bad self-talk immediately, but I will never post that shit on social media because I think it's just setting such a bad example. It sets a bad example, but then like, 
selfishly, you're also like, you can't take that back. Yeah. I don't know. It's really, it's bad. I don't know. There's a lot of that right now. The last difference I want to talk about, maybe more quickly because we talk about this a lot, is friendships. Yes. So what did the average weekend look like for you when you were in your 20s? It's actually not that different than what it is now. Okay. Like, I feel like lately my calendar has just been so full with, like, brunches and happy hours and drinks and everything else. Like, I would say that my ideal weekend has changed in that, like, a weekend without plans, I'm like, fuck yes. That's amazing. When I was in my 20s, if I had a weekend with no plans, I'd be like, oh, my God, my life is over. I have no friends. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why don't I have plans? Like, I'd go into, like, a tailspin. Now I'm like – Oh, I have no plans this weekend. This is fucking awesome. I don't think it's necessarily about having or not having plans. I think, first of all, it's I used to go out with like a posse of like 19 people, like especially oh, I did that too. when I lived in Boston um, and to a lesser extent in San Francisco. Like the girls pictures where you're like you couldn't all fit in the frame. Yeah, there's there like were so many 93 of you. Of you. And yeah. I feel like I dislike well, not across the board, but like I much more I value large groups, one-on-one or like two-on-one time mm-hmm. rather than like a huge crew of people. But that was like the norm. That was like Friday. Yeah. You know, like it's like let's all pregame and then like we'll get three cabs and we'll go to the bar. Yeah. And then not just will we go to the bar, we're going to go to like five different bars. Yeah. You're going to like start out pregaming. Then you're going to go like I'm thinking of like Faneuil Hall in Boston. Mm-hmm. Like you'll oh, go we like, like Boylston Street better. Oh, we liked that too. We always went to the Rattlesnake. Is that mm-hmm. was that around when you? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it was Boylston Street or Faneuil Hall. We would go to like five bars, end it with like drunk Chinese food, mm-hmm. um, stumbling home up our our little hill, like in Chestnut Hill. Um, oh my god, terrible. Yeah, but I do agree with you. Like, I I still go out. Like I'm not like I feel like yeah. some people in their 30s are like I never do anything, and I'm like. I just went out six nights in a row. Like I'm, yeah. No, my social. I'm still life, fun, but it's I still like feel a, very it's fun. Different. You do different things. Yeah, it's like a drunken dinner at polo bar versus like a drunken night where you go to seven bars. Yeah, yeah, with twenty girls. <laughs> Wait, do you still have your same friends from when you were in your twenties? I do, but our friendships have changed a lot because most of them have children or they live in Boston or other cities. Okay, so like my Boston girlfriends are similar, like um. They're in their, they're the same age as me, and most of them are single. Well, they're either single or they live like outside of Boston with like a couple kids. Um, the friend group from when I first moved to New York, which was my book club girls, like we started a book club and then we became the best of friends. They mostly have kids, so like my the people like I'm closest to you, like you and Alex, I've only known for like seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Whereas them, like. I moved to New York 12 years ago. So I would say like, I hate, I don't want to like say I've like turned over friend groups because I'm still close with them. But like my ideal Saturday is not going to be to go to the park and play with her two kids. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be home reading and then like going out for like a rooftop brunch somewhere. Yeah. 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 I'm still friends with the vast majority of my friends from my twenties. And I think, we see each other. So I have, you know, I think I just have more friend groups, you know, where it's like I have people in the city who are like my day-to-day friends, but then I have like some really close friends who live in Boston or who live in other cities. And But the thing is, is like we actually do 
a pretty good job seeing each other pretty regularly, even though we don't live in the same city. You do a really good job with that. I'm proud of that. Yeah. It's something definitely to be proud of. I was, um, Jackie and I were drunk and nostalgic on, I don't know, what night this weekend. And we were looking through old Facebook photos of ourselves. Oh, God. And I was like, it makes my heart so warm that, like, these are still my people and that, like, the terrible drunk photos from my early 20s are, like, with the same people that I'm, like, still consider some of my best friends. Yeah, that's really nice. I know. Do you feel like your circle of friends is bigger or smaller overall? I would say it's bigger because I have all these friends I see, like, once a month. Like, I have so many friends through blogging. We've made, like, a lot of new friends through the podcast. Um, It's definitely bigger, but I have a much more intimate circle of people that I talk to every day. Like, really, in terms of, like, friends I – talk to every day it's like you and Alex and like maybe a couple other John a couple other people yeah I was gonna say it's kind of both for me because I feel like it's like smaller where it's like who because you used to roll in a pack you know so you were like I have 10 best friends and I'm like but I'm probably having 50 people over on Sunday you're not having 50 people that's you're Mm bad at math like 20 or 30 I don't know. So I invited a lot of like just random people that like the guy I met at the park the other day. I'm excited to see how that pans out. We're just friends. He um, has a very cute dog. Yeah. I feel like my day to day circle of friends is smaller. Yeah. Same. Like if I were to throw a birthday dinner, I would want it to be much smaller than I would have in my 20s. Oh, yeah. Mine was five people. Right. But a party like just like think of all like the people that you you're like web of people right but my web of people is bigger yeah i think i'm the same yeah yeah okay so three quick questions before we head into obsessions and reading and everything else what advice would you have for yourself 10 years ago like calm the fuck down like i was so ambitious and i still am ambitious but i was like why didn't i get that thing or like i want that or like i would be very um i don't know i just like was like very not chill okay yeah, I'd just be like, calm down. It's all going to work out just yeah. fine. Yeah. It was pretty intense. I think mine is like kind of along the same lines. Like to quote Nike, I would say, just do it. Yeah. Like I think I I put so much pressure on certain decisions that I was making that I was like, these decisions have absolute, like looking back, I'm like, these decisions had absolutely no consequence. You should have like, not stress so much and just like done it like yeah should you move to san francisco just do it like should you quit your job and change careers do it like should you leave this company and like go to a different one do it like i feel like all of the things that i like really beat myself up over and like not to say like don't take things seriously but like i would i just remember like I look back and there's so much anxiety that I experienced that was unnecessary. Yeah. Where I was like, is this going to change the, you know, like is doing this. Like, I remember when I like went to Lola, I was like, is this going to like ruin my career to go work for a tampon company? Cause I'd previously worked in fashion. Like looking back, I'm like, no, of course it didn't. Yeah. No, I did that when I, I did that when I went to Bolivar and I did it when I quit my day, my day job and focused on my blog. I was like, I'm giving up a 12-year career. I was like, no, I still have a career. Yeah, like, I think just do it. And, like, the other thing I think is easier to see in hindsight, like, I think even looking into my future, it's it's still really hard, is, like, most of these decisions aren't untake-backable. You yeah. know, like, having a child is untake-backable. Yeah. But, like... Hey, getting married, you can always get divorced. 
I mean, well, not to be glib, but like, you know, get a job you don't like, get a new one. Like, date get, somebody you don't like, date somebody else. Like, yeah, you can kind of take back a lot of these things. So it's like, I would rather have done it. That was the advice I gave to my parents because they moved to Charleston and they were so nervous. I was like, you can always move back. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, would you change anything that you did in your 20s? I think I just wish that I could have been a little bit more independent. Like I was so reliant on a lot of the guys I dated and was just like put so much of my happiness in um, in what they thought of me. And I think that that comes with age, like just as you get older and more confident in your own abilities and your own self. But I definitely like let a lot of my happiness depend on other people. Yeah. But I also think that like I wouldn't be where I am today without doing all the same stuff I did then. So I'm glad that whatever bad decisions I made have brought me here. Yeah. Part of me is like, oh, you wouldn't have ended up here if you did anything differently or like, you know, like a really cheesy answer. But like, I don't know. I wish I'd like experimented more early in my 20s with like, I lived in, I mean, I moved to San Francisco, but it's like, go live in a different city. Go like try this job or something, you know, like I was just so concerned with consequences yeah yeah that like i'm not saying like go do a ton of drugs and get like a tramp stamp but like you know i wish i just would have been like i'm gonna try this yeah no i do too i was very uptight in my 20s and like in my 30s i'm like yeah i'll I'll do whatever like tons of drugs no i'm just kidding (laughs) but like i don't know i think i i just have like a less like everything's gonna fall apart if you mess up right kind of mentality um, where do you think you'll be in 10 years? I have no fucking idea. But I like that. I do too. I, I want to have a plan. I, I hope I have a partner. I, I would just hope in 10 years I can find somebody I want to settle down with. Um, I totally agree that I am like beyond speculation. Like if you had told me even two years ago that this podcast was going to be a thing, I would be like, what? Yeah. I don't know. I like mean, if you told me 10 years ago that I would have a blog and like all this stuff, I'd be like, what? Like, I know. I yeah. kind of like that I am on this path and I'm not like I know exactly where I'm going to be in 10 years yeah like my career has been very fluid like like I was in buying then I was in beauty marketing then I was in social media for a jewelry company now I'm a blogger now I have a podcast like I don't know like what the next five years are going to look like I hope I have the same friends I hope I'm in a loving relationship and like maybe a little more financially stable like if I have that I'll be happy I just hope I'm happy Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's let's change gears. Yeah. Becca, what are you obsessed with right now? Okay, so I'm on a real big organizing streak for my new apartment. I think your obsession's my obsession. So I bought I, I the other night I just like went real hard on Amazon and um Grace had put on Instagram, I got this like um pan organizer which is a really good one but i think even more than that i'm really into these under sink drawers did yours come yeah it's like these stacking drawers that you put under a sink and it just like makes so much more room so much more room it's crazy because like especially in my bathroom um there's like a small cabinet under the sink and so with the drawers though i'm like uh, before the only thing that was down there was toilet paper yeah and i'm like oh now i have two layers yeah um, so I'm very into organizing. I'm thinking I'm going to buy the home edit book. I think I could get really into organizing right now. I'm having yeah. a moment. I love organizing. I love the pot, the pots and pan things that I bought because of you. Mm-hmm. 
My obsession is Veronica Beard. Oh, that jacket you were wearing last night was real good. That brand, her clothes just fit my body so well. I think, you know, designers fit everyone differently. Like her jackets, like they make it look like I'm standing up more more straight because we all know I have posture problems. They like nip you in at the waist. They, they they fit so well through the arms. I've had a lot of jackets be like too big in the arms. Like J Crew blazers look horrible on me because they're just cut funny and they're also too short. So these are long enough. They're great through the arms. They make they have like a little bit of light shoulder padding. They're amazing. They're very expensive, so I will not be buying any more. But I got the gingham one and then I got a floral one and I got a denim one. And like that's my spring wardrobe. Like I'm cut off, but I love them. I'm so glad. What about on Instagram? Um, so mine is um, Bunkhouse Hotels. Do you know them? No. They own a bunch of boutique hotels. So they own um, this one in San Francisco that I've been to. I can't remember the name of it. It's in the Tenderloin. Um, but they just have such cool, designy boutique hotels. And... And I'm going to Austin next weekend for a wedding, and they have a lot of properties and, like, restaurants and stuff in Austin. So Ooh. I've been, like, following it to make my yeah. to-do list while I'm while I'm there. I like their Instagram. What about you? Mine is an artist. It's Her name is Jennifer Ament, A-M-E-N-T. And that was – I don't know if you remember when we were at Kate's house. She had that print with the hands. I do remember, yeah. Um, and it's on my blog today because I did a little feature on her. I just love her work. I think that her prints are gorgeous. And she also has like donated so much money to the ACLU and she's like really socially active. So I'm, I just really like what she's doing. I am going to have to take a look. I'm curious what the rest of her work looks like. It's, it's all really good. I love the print Kate has the best, but um, it, it's can. very like Harry Potter is what it reminded me of. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about reading? Have you read lately? Yeah. So I finished Rules of Civility, which everyone, is obsessed with it. and I thought it was very good, but I I wasn't as obsessed with it the way people are. Like, if I put it on my Instagram story, I'll I like I'm like I don't even want to share this anymore because I get so many DMs about it. I'm like, yes, it's a good book. Oh, I loved it. I I really liked it. I'm in the DMing majority. Um, well, I just want people to not DM me about books. I want to go to the Facebook group and talk there. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I would not say it was like life changing the way that everyone seems to say. I started another book called The Overstory, which Victoria McGinley recommended to me, and she has the best taste in books. What is it? So it's – I've only read like 20 pages because I was reading it in the park, and then I started talking to that guy with the dog. Right. Um, so I did not get as far as I had planned to on my little break. And I, um, I love it. So it's about – it has a lot to do with trees and how the trees communicate, and it seems like it's going to be a story that starts – like in the 1800s and works its way up to modern day. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of opinions about it yet, but I do have an opinion about the person who recommended it to me, which is Victoria McGinley. She has a beautiful blog and she also does all my website design for the stripe. Um, and she has great taste. Okay. What about you? So I have two. So last week I was illiterate cause I was moving. Um, so I started this book called Park Avenue summer by Renee Rosen. My mom's reading it right now. I saw that. Yeah. So it's, um, historical fiction set in the 60s I think and it's basically about Helen Gurley Brown who was the editor-in-chief that basically turned around Cosmo from being like a magazine for housewives to being like a very sex positive like empowered publication so it's a fictional 
account of that. And it was pitched to me as the Devil Wears Prada meets Mad Men. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited. I'm going to read that tonight. But then I got distracted over the weekend. I only read like 30 pages of that. I got distracted over the weekend because I saw somebody on Instagram, Emma Benchoff. Do you follow her? Yeah. She's a, um, she works at Random House. So she's, she's so like, nice. I love her. You know, she's the inside track on yeah. book things. And she had posted on her story that she just finished this book called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Is this a hard copy? No. Oh, I want it. Sorry. It sounds like a book I really need to read. Um, and she'd said that she lo- it was the best Royals book that she'd read since the Royal We. Oh, my God. And so I was like, I screw this. I need to read this. And yeah. um, it comes out May, se- May 14th. So it came out yesterday when this goes live. And um, it's a gay royal romance. So oh. the plot line is basically the first son of the United States falls in love with a prince of England. And they have this like secret romance. Oh, I'm here for that. That sounds great. It was really good. Okay. So I read that on Sunday in one day. And it was like the perfect rainy day. I want to do nothing like like one day read. That's what I'm craving right now is a good one day read. Well, order it comes out next Tuesday. I'm thinking I'm going to read the book Katie wrote though. Oh yeah, you American have to. Royals. Oh my god, you have to. Yeah. So that's all we have for you today. But if you would like more, follow us on the internet. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at Becca M Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and I have my blog where I post six days a week. It's called the Stripe. Oh, the Stripe.com. <laughs> and we're also on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. Yeah. And if you've enjoyed this so much that you want to come to our live shows in. Chicago, D.C., Boston, Nashville, and Charleston, go to badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live for tickets. Yes, it's going to be the best night of your life. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be amazing. That's all. Bye. Bye. Bye.